0: Good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? Oh, boy, y'all sound like you just rolled out of bed here this morning. I tell you, what's up with that? How many of you enjoying the 23 degree weather we had this morning? Anybody? Doesn't it feel good? Uh, Enjoy it. That's the only day of the year that that'll probably happen. You know, we get about one or two of those. a year, I think, but it's good to see you. Let me, I'm gonna try one more time because you guys apparently are not woke up, and we're about to start and launch a whole new year, a new series this morning. But let me ask you this question: How many of you love Jesus this morning? <laughs> Amen. There you go. That sounds more like it. I, I tell you, it, it's a it's an opportunity that we have to come in here every Sunday and to worship our Savior Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. And so. Uh, Uh, And I know you do too as well, but uh, sometimes we just feel a little bit mopey or sleepy, don't we? It's good to see you here this morning. You know, uh, I just wanted to say Happy New Year. Uh, I know we celebrated that last week, um, but it's always good to just think about uh, the new year as we prepare to engage a new year, right? And so we're getting ready to do that, and I believe that 2017 is going to be a a very pivotal year for Cross Point Church for us as a faith family. I think you know there's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen this year, and and I know that God is moving. I know that God is working, and I know that He has got big plans for us as a faith family uh, going into this year. Uh, we are going to be in just a few short months. Uh, it's not far away, moving into our new and permanent facility. How many of you celebrate that with me this morning? I was meeting with Bill Hurley this weekend and, and just talking about the, the reality that that is really just around the corner, and Bill was like, yeah, get out of my way, we're in a hurry here. We're, you know he's, he's working, I tell you, they're just working around the clock over there, and they're getting it done, and, and I just have all the faith in the world that, that they're going to they're gonna have us in there by Easter Sunday, and what a day that's going to be for us. And, and just speaking about moving into our permanent home, I, I do want to say this, on December the 11th. Uh, this past year, December the 11th, we took up what we call a second offering. And uh, I just want to celebrate something with you. We, we set a goal of $100,000 for this second offering. And uh, this year, we took up $121,026 in a second offering. Let me just say, I, I, I just want to say thank you for your generosity. I'll, I'll tell you something else that, that Michelle had pointed out to me when she gave me the figure. She says, you know, uh, looking at it as well, uh, the first offering The you know, we typically just take one offering every Sunday, but the first offering on that same day happened to be the greatest offering or the highest offering we've taken all year as well. So what that says is, is that you didn't take the first offering check and put it in the second bucket when it came along. You were just generous that day. And so I just want to say thank you. And I also want to say Could we praise Jesus for that? He is a God of provision. Amen? And so that's just wonderful to be thinking about. I just want to thank you for for all that you mean to to me and this church and and to Jesus. And and I'm looking forward to 2017 being a very pivotal year for us as a faith family. I believe a lot of things are going to happen this year. This morning we're kicking off a new series and it's called Thy Kingdom Come. And I just want those three words to sink in for just a moment. As we prepare to dive into a message today, just allow those words to sink in for just a moment. Thy kingdom come. I love what Spence was talking about as he was talking about uh, loosening our grip on the things of this world and turning to a holy and righteous God and expecting Him to do great things in our life as we turn away from the worldly things and turn instead to a holy and righteous God and we ask of Him for His kingdom to come. And this morning we're going to be starting this series and, and I tell you I couldn't be more excited about it. It's just four weeks long but, but I, I know this, I know that God is going to use this series to really teach us something about what it means for His kingdom to be near and for us As children of God to be a part of his great kingdom. So I want to pray for us this morning and then we're going to dive into the word of God. So pray with me if you will and we'll get started here this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for being a God of provision. God, we thank you that you have taught us to be people who are generous. And Father, that you In Your divine way, You take care of our needs each and every day. And Lord, for that, we are grateful and we are thankful. Father, we admit that we are excited about moving into a permanent home. Lord, we're excited because just 11 years ago, we we launched this new work knowing that, God, this is what You had called us to do. And Lord, knowing that our heart's intent is to reach this community and beyond for Jesus. And so, Father, we pray, thanking you today, God, that you are moving and that you are working and that you just allow us to be a part of that. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have to to gather together on on a Sunday morning, a nice, crisp, cold Sunday morning, Father, to worship you in spirit and truth and even worship you through the reading and the preaching of your word. And I pray, Father, that as we dive into Your Word this morning, that God, You would speak into our hearts. That You would change our way of thinking. God, that You would help us to see things the way You see things. And Father, that we would be encouraged and motivated and driven to continue living for You. Lord, we love You so much and we thank You for Your presence in this place. And God, we ask that You bless us now as we read from Your Word. We love You and we thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, any year, with any new year, we have the possibility of that being the greatest year of our life. We also have the possibility of that being the worst year of our life. As we stand here at the beginning of a new year, we understand this reality that, that it could be a great year for us, or it could be uh, the worst year for us, or it could be just a year that kind of falls in between somewhere. And so as we think about that, as we think about the, the reality that this could go either way, we begin to realize that we could be chasing or, or facing some of the greatest challenges that we ever have faced and so the question might be are we ready for whatever 2017 brings our way the reality is we need to be ready for whatever kind of year this turns out to be you know every every year when football season starts fans all over the year, all over the country they begin to convince themselves that this is the year you know what i'm talking about we we hear the we hear the hype and we see the statistics and we start looking at our team and and the new players coming in and all the high expectations that this team and we begin to think this is the year This is the year that we win a state championship, or this is the year that we win the national championship, or if you follow NFL, which I don't know anybody who does really, but uh, this is the year we win the Super Bowl. But all across our country, there are fans who are with great anticipation thinking that this is the year, and then suddenly there's a loss. And a little bit of that hope begins to fade. You were thinking in the beginning that we were unstoppable, but then all of a sudden there's a loss on the board and, 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 and you're beginning to wonder there's a little less hope that this might be the year. And then comes that second loss as it happened with the Georgia Bulldogs this year and many more after that as well. And most of you know that I'm a Georgia fan, but, but as, as, we, as we watch that, it's, it's almost as though when that second defeat or that second loss comes into play It's as if we give up all hope and we just consider the season over. We're defeated. Instead of going through the season enjoying the game, we feel as though the rest of the year is hardly worth living. That's just the way we feel. You know, as I look at 2017, I realize that 2017... For me personally and for Lanell as well. But for me personally, I realize that 2017 is going to bring some things into my life that are going to bring some great joy. In February and in March, I am expecting my second and my third grandchild. Amen. I'm excited. I'm very excited. So this year, I'm going to have two birth certificates to, to celebrate that have 2017 stamped on them. But at the same time, I realize that there's another thing that's happening in my life, whereas 2017 is quite possibly going to be the year that I lose my dad. So not only will I have two birth certificates to celebrate, but I will have a death certificate to look at that has 2017 stamped on it. So how do we prepare ourselves? So that no matter what comes, whether it's the greatest joy of our life or whether it's the greatest pain in our life, that we can endure it. And you know, I I don't know how the rest of the world might accomplish that, but I know for me, I have to have a kingdom perspective. I have to have a Christ-centered perspective. I have to know my Savior Jesus Christ is going to help me to celebrate the most joyous times with great celebration, those moments in my life, but also to help me endure those most painful moments in my life. And this year, we can't pretend to really know all that's going to happen in our life, so we just have to be ready for whatever comes our way. This morning, we are talking about shifting our perspective. And we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. Go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, if you will. Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. You know, I believe in the Christian church these days, there's a great need for there to be a shifting of perspective. Too often, as believers and followers of Christ Jesus, we are staring too intently horizontally and not enough vertically. There needs to be a shift in our perspective. There needs to be a shift in our perspective so that as we live out our life, as we continue to live our lives and follow Jesus throughout this year and all the ones to come, that we are able to deal with whatever it is that comes our way. Here's what I know. I know that with having a kingdom perspective or a Christ-centered perspective that we can celebrate the greatest moments in our life and we can press through the greatest disappointments in our life all at the same time because it's much greater than just us and our circumstances. It has everything to do with who we are in Christ. And so this morning, we want to look at this and talk about this shifting of perspective. I think all too often, our happiness is determined by our circumstances or our possessions. We need to understand that we as believers or disciples of Christ Jesus, we are part of a greater thing than just that. We are part of the kingdom of God. And one of the things that we're going to see here is that in this passage that we're going to be looking at is Jesus really challenges us to shift our perspective. Now, in Matthew, uh, in this passage, in the book of Matthew, we we find what is known as the the Sermon on the Mount. And this is where Jesus, in in Matthew 5, He begins by sitting down, and we, we see the sort of the beginnings of this Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes there. And He begins as he begins to sit down and he begins to teach he begins to to just preach about the things of life and this is what we call the, the sermon on the mount this gospel that uh, here Jesus is 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 beginning his ministry and he's inviting his disciples to follow him, and, and they are following him, and they're learning from him, and he proceeds to go through Galilee. And as he goes through Galilee, there are many times great crowds that are drawn to him because of his teachings and because of these great miracles that he's doing and, and all of these things. But people are beginning to gather around Jesus because he is one who is speaking of great authority, something that that really they haven't seen in in a while and as he continues his message as he continues with this sermon he comes to a place where his disciples as they are listening he begins to instruct them on how to pray i can't tell you how many times as a pastor i've had people come to me and say pastor david i really struggle with my prayer life you know and i need some direction i need some understanding on how to pray Well, here Jesus, as if He is anticipating them questioning this, He he brings this to them as He's continuing in this Sermon on the Mount, and He teaches them how to pray. And this is where our passage picks up here this morning. Verse 7 of Matthew 6, Jesus says this. He says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Lord's prayer has always been one of those prayers that that sort of gives us an example of how to pray, and, and it certainly is an example of how to pray. It, it teaches us a lot of things. It, it talks about how our prayer should be directed to our Father who is in heaven and that as we pray, we pray that it would be His kingdom that comes and His will that is done. And as we continue to pray, there's nothing wrong with asking for provision. And so we see that Jesus says, ask Him for your daily bread. He says, ask Him for the forgiveness of your sins, your transgressions, and also that he would help you to forgive others. And then he says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so Jesus, he's not saying that this is a prayer that we need to recite every morning. He's just simply giving us this example of how we are to pray. And as we see this, we begin to realize that what Jesus is doing is he is helping us to see that there's a bigger picture here than maybe what we had originally thought. He's challenging us to see things a little bit differently. You see what Jesus is doing, he is, he is speaking of a, of, a, of a shift that's taking place in our thoughts and in our hearts. And this shift that he is speaking of, he, he's talking about this shift of, uh, of things taking place to, to where we begin to see things maybe differently than we have before. He is challenging us that even in our prayers that we should change our perspective. Perspective can be defined quite simply as the way we see things. The way we see things. And here Jesus is saying things are this way, but see it and do it another way. And so there's this challenge to make a shift in the way you may have been doing things or the way you may have been seeing things and to see it totally different. So let's look at our text. He starts out by saying this in verses 7 and 8. He says, "...and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words." And then look at what Jesus says. He says, Do not be like them. In other words, he's challenging those listeners of this sermon that there is a better way, there's another way, there's a correct way to pray. He says, For your Father knows what you need before you ever even ask Him. And so here's what Jesus is doing. He's pointing to the Gentiles as them being able to see it one way. He says, for this is what they think. You see, they have drawn this conclusion in their minds that by just simply reciting words or throwing up empty phrases, as Jesus puts it, just words that are really meaningless and not authentic and not from the heart, as these Gentiles just toss up these words to heaven, they have come to this conclusion that that means something, that that has some sort of eternal value, that that God is honoring those prayers. But Jesus says, no, think about this. Don't be like them. For your Father, He knows what you need. And then he, He brings us to this place. And this is what's very interesting to me. Jesus reveals this need to be kingdom longing. Jesus says... To those who are listening, pray like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen to these words carefully. Thy kingdom come. I believe that in Jesus' day, much like today, that there was an issue with people just looking too horizontally and not vertically enough. And so Jesus, He says, this is how you pray. You pray and you pray for God to come, the kingdom of God to be near. You pray that His will would be done, not our will. And you pray that things on this earth would be as though they were in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, as I look at this, I wonder, I wonder how many of us pray each morning for the kingdom of God to be near. for God's presence to be in our life? How many of us are longing for the kingdom of God to be what we are a part of rather than the things of this world? And so here, Jesus is saying, there should be, as believers in Christ Jesus, a longing for the kingdom of God to be what you are involved in, for the kingdom of God to be that which is near. And Jesus is interesting He has already spoke of this in Matthew 4. When he says this, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Some translations say the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. God's presence in our life. Jesus challenging us to think differently. But instead, we all too often, we are blinded and held captive by the empty deceit of this world. Paul warns, he warns the Colossians of this in Colossians 2.8 when he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty seat according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. Paul would say to the Colossians, he says, Make sure that the things of this world, the things that the world has to offer, this empty conceit, these philosophies, just the things of the world, make sure that they don't take you captive. But rather, if you were going to be captive of anything, it would be the kingdom of God, the things of Christ, the, the heavenly things, having a mind that is set on the author and the perfecter of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he challenges us to think about this. Now, why might we have such a kingdom longing? Why might we, as believers in Christ, what would be the value for us as Followers of Christ Jesus to long for the kingdom of God to come near, for the presence of God to grow stronger in our life. Why might we long for this or hunger for the kingdom of God? Why might we desire for our perception to change to where instead of looking so horizontally, we begin to see more vertically? Why is it this is so important for us? And as I read through Scripture, I begin to realize that the reason is, is because when we begin to shift to a heavenly perspective, things begin to change. Things begin to change. I want to offer to you this morning just a few of these things. The first one is this, is that we begin to see obstacles, not as obstacles at all, but instead as opportunities to become stronger. There are so many things in our life that without Christ, they are nothing more than just obstacles. We face obstacles every day. But in Christ, in Christ, obstacles in our life are often the very things that God uses to strengthen us. And when we begin to shift our thinking or the way we see things away from just seeing our obstacles as mere obstacles, and we begin to see those obstacles in our life as possibilities to be strengthened in our faith, everything changes. James says in James 1, 2, and 3, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials, trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Do you see that? A trial standing before us, suddenly having the opportunity to be transformed, not in a trial, but rather something that is producing fruit for the life of a believer. Romans, Paul says this, he says, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope that does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us and so suddenly the suffering that Paul is speaking about as he is writing to the Romans the suffering that we are experiencing these obstacles or these giants that we may face in our life suddenly we begin to see them not as just mere moments in our life where we suffer But moments in our life where God uses these obstacles to build great strength in us and our faith. One of the most reassuring verses that I have leaned on throughout my life is is, uh, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know this is a very familiar verse for all of us here today. But think about... Just how profound that is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens it me. When is it that we typically go to that verse when we're facing one of the greatest obstacles in our life? And we don't know that we have the strength to, to carry it out. We don't know if we have the strength to go over it, to climb it. Those mountains, they can seem so large in our life and yet we have this truth that tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Us, obstacles being transformed to opportunities for strengthening who we are in Christ Jesus. Albert Einstein, he once spoke of the dangers of an, of an unclear perception. And he said this, he says, He who can no longer pause to wander and stand wrapped in all is as good as dead. His eyes are closed. Are we as believers in Christ Jesus, are we standing wrapped in awe over a holy and righteous God? Are we as believers in Christ uh, standing in our faith with our eyes on the author and perfecter of that faith? Do we stand in awe of a righteous God knowing that we can overcome anything that comes our way? Or are we standing as dead men with our eyes closed? Not seeing the possibilities that have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Another way that the kingdom perspective changes everything is we begin to see our battles as occasions to see victory, not defeat. I know almost on a daily basis, I talk to someone who is experiencing some sort of spiritual battle. Uh, they're, they're facing some great challenge and so often when I speak with different people, the, 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 the response is always the same. I've got this huge battle and I'm already defeated. And so what Jesus is saying is He's challenging us to change our perspective is to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name, Thy kingdom come, come into my life so that I know that the presence of God is one of the greatest Possessions that I hold. The presence of God in my life, that my battles would not be just merely things that I'm probably going to be defeated in, but rather victories in my life. I love what Paul David Tripp once said. He says, We Replace vi- uh, vertical all with horizontal addiction. Vertical all puts my heart at ease. It gives my soul rest. It produces contentment and satisfaction. Horizontal all is obsessive and addictive because the things to which I'm looking have no ability to give me that which God can give me. If the things that are horizontal in our life have no ability to give us, what we are searching for, then why would we continue to look horizontally? And why would our hearts and our eyes be upon the heavens praying, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life. 1 John 5.4 says this, for everyone who has ever been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our what? Faith. Let me read that again. 1 John 5.4, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Let me ask you, how many of you are born again believers in Jesus Christ this morning? Anybody in the house this morning born again believers in Jesus Christ? then this verse is speaking about you. This verse is speaking of us. 1 John 5, 4, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Do you see that? Overcomes the world. And that this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith in Christ Jesus. Our faith in Christ Jesus. You see, there's no faith if we don't see it that way. There's no faith if we don't see victory in Jesus Then when we face our battles, we're not going to see victory. We are going to see defeat. Because we are smart enough to recognize our own weakness and inadequacies. But in Christ Jesus, knowing that in Him, I can do all things because it is He Who strengthens me? God's word says, Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus. One final way, I want to, I know we're almost out of time because I can hear the music. That's always a good sign to, David, you got to wrap things up. The band just does that to me every now and then. They send somebody out, they start playing, and that's my cue. (laughs) Oh, Janetta. The final way that Kingdom perspective changes everything is when we perceive disappointment, not as disappointment at all, but as a blessing. I remember once a man coming into my office and he asked me to pray for him. He was considering uh, this new job and he was, he was hoping to get this new job. He'd already interviewed for it and he felt uh, pretty certain that he was going to take this job. And as he was telling me this, he was, he was just praying with great anticipation that that he would take this job, and he explained to me that, that you know, that with this job, that there would be greater pay, and he would be able to support his family better, and and I guess coming to my office, he felt like he would, he needed to say, and I'll be able to tithe more, Pastor David, you know, things like that. But anyway, we sat down, and and I was rejoicing with him, and and he said, I just want your prayers. I want to do what is the right thing, but. But I I just feel like I'm going to get, he was so excited and I knew he would be so disappointed if he didn't get this job. And so we we began to pray and we prayed together. and, And I'll never forget that in his time of prayer, he said these words. He says, but Father, your will be done. And when we finished praying, I wondered, I hope you meant that just in case. Within weeks, he had found out he, in fact, did not get the job. And I remember he came into my office and he was very, very discouraged. He, he felt like life is just over. I mean, he was, he was so defeated because he didn't get the job. And I, rem- I reminded him, I said, you know, when we were praying, I heard you say, but God, your will be done. He says, yeah, but why wouldn't it be God's will that I got the job? Three months later, the business that he had hoped to go to work for went out of business. And he came back into my office to testify that what he thought was one of the greatest disappointments of his life turned out to be one of the greatest blessings in his life. Sometimes we just don't see things the way God sees things. Sometimes we are too horizontally focused and not enough vertically focused and dependent upon the will of God. This morning, let us shift our perspective that we may see that God is worth trusting. Let us shift our perspective to realize that God's will is always better than ours. Let us shift our perspective to when we don't think that we can see things clearly enough that we can count on this truth, this reality that God sees everything crystal clear. Let us come to a place where we trust in a holy and righteous God in our life. And when we pray, when we pray, let us pray like this. Our Father, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is. In heaven. In just a moment, our band's going to come out and they're going to lead us in our last song and this is a time for us as a church to respond in any way that God may be challenging us to respond. Maybe today you've come to this place in your life where you realize that your first step is just knowing Jesus and there's some unanswered questions that you may have. Our pastors are down front and they are here to help you. I'm down front. Linnell's down front. We're here to help you answer any questions you have about what it may mean to be a follower of Christ Jesus. There is so much peace in knowing Him. And my prayer today is that if there is anyone here today that doesn't know Christ Jesus, that today this would be the day where you take that first step. Where you respond to what it is that God is already doing in your life I pray this morning for us as the church as we think about this shift of perspective the reality or the truth is this I know that for each and every one of us all of us could probably use a little more vertical all in our life and a whole less a whole lot less of the horizontal Let us as the children of God this morning maybe respond by falling on our knees in prayer and asking God to help us to see things the way He sees things. Help us to see a world that's outside of these walls who are in desperate need of knowing Jesus like we know Jesus. Use us as instruments in the Redeemer's hands to make a difference in this world. Let us respond however it is that God is calling us to respond. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You, God, for all that You are. Thank You for Your presence in our life, in this place. Father, as we have looked at Your Word this morning and we have been challenged by Your Word, I pray, Father, that You would help us to take our eyes off the world and instead place our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. Knowing, Lord Jesus, that You are the resource, the greatest of all resources in our life. You are the one worth turning to. You are the one worth worshiping. You are the one worth trusting And Father, this morning, I am very much aware of the reality that there's probably some of us in this room who have struggled with keeping our eyes on You. There are some of us in this room who have struggled with having a kingdomly perspective, seeing things the way You see things. God, I pray that You would help us. I pray that we would be obedient, Lord, to trust in You. We love you, and we continue to worship you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.